2016 has been a rough one in many ways, not least of which was the great musicians we lost this year, David Bowie, Prince, and Leonard Cohen being just the shortlist. However, we're not going to let the turkeys get us down. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. Today is our best of 2016 episode where we get some obsessed music listeners to talk about what was truly great this year. It's all coming up on The Future of What. You're listening to The Future of What. We're talking to Ben Parrish and James Reeling from Kill Rock Stars. All right. All right. Okay. So here we are podcasting <laughs> in our podcasting studio. Ooh. Ooh. And I have with me James Reeling. Hello. This is James. Production manager of Kill Rock Stars and Benjamin Parrish. Hi. Art director of Kill Rock Stars. And they're reprising their roles as experts from last year. <laughs> they're experts every year, by the way. We've been listening all year. Yeah. They just never stop listening. <laughs> Mostly to the best show, but... Sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes to music, right? <laughs> and you guys, you just can't do a 2016 best of about the best show. Oh, I'm I sorry. wish we could. I know that's number one. <laughs> yes, always. Okay, James, let's get started. What do you want to play for us first? Let's listen to a track by a Portland band called Lithics. It's called Thing in Your Eye. tell us about this band Lithics and what do you like about that song? Well, I guess I should express my bias first. I was in a band with one of the people in this band and another person actually worked at Kill Rock Stars for a little while. We're, we're not biased. I'm not objective. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I love this band. And honestly, I'd probably still love them even if I didn't know them. I don't know what to say about them. They're just really great. The music kind of speaks for itself. I agree. I think it's interesting. I mean, I like that angular, sort of scronky, noisy sound. Yeah. I like the singer who's a woman, but you can't necessarily tell because she doesn't have, you know, she has like a pretty neutral voice. Yeah, totally. It's kind of deadpan. Mm -hmm. And and Aubrey, who's the singer, is just incredible live. She has this very like deadpan delivery the whole time that you're like, oh, I'm a little frightened of this person. (laughs) (laughs) But then she's very nice in person. Yeah. It reminds me of stuff that we have put out like Kleenex yes I which is great like to harken back to like 70s post-punk European bands is always Mm -hmm. kind of a cool and they have a track where they have a pretty crazy like saxophone part to it and I almost wanted to play that but I feel felt like it wasn't representative of the whole album but keep an eye out for that last track with the sax man the sax is back yeah (laughs) like (laughs) for the early 80s all over again late 70s early 80s all over again oh keep it going we love it All right, Benjamin, I'm going to play one of your songs. Oh, cool.
she doing a fake accent? No, she's Welsh. Oh, that's her actual accent? Yeah. Wow. It's Kate LeBon, wonderful, from her excellent new album, Crab Day. Any kind of Crab Day. Any kind of Crab Day on uh, Drag City Records. And I think it's on Turnstile Music in Europe. So, oh, you know, if there's, if there's listeners in other countries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can, sa- you can save some money on shipping. Mm, Turnstile Records. Yes, international shipping rates are... Out of control. It, oh, God, it's insane. They're going to go up next year, I bet. Ugh. But I sh- I'm not here to talk about shipping, right? Well, hey, you're here to talk about whatever <laughs> Let's talk you about want. Kate LeBon. Oh, uh, okay. I guess ship- <laughs> shipping could be the best of 2016 well, from the perspective the of the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> okay, well, I, I've been a fan of Kate LeBon for two or three years. When I was at the Red Eye Label Conference, they gave me a promo CD of her last album, Mug Museum, on Wichita. And then she signed to my favorite label, Drag City, for this album. And I think she's doing this thing, kind of building on Apollo era Deer Huff. And I can hear some Velvet Underground and television in there. She's doing this like unique thing. Seems like her own musical universe. And then I saw, I finally got to see her at Dante's this year. And the show was great. They, it wasn't all great, though. <laughs> well, it was at Dante's. <laughs> yeah, well, it was at Dante's. And then, you know, I was all excited. I got to the show, got there early, got in the front row. And about midway through the show, this dreadlocked hippie lady got in front of me and kept shaking her dreads and moving back. And I had to spend the whole show dodging a dreadlock because I didn't want it to get in my mouth. Mm. And I was right behind Ben, and I yeah. was having a lot of trouble keeping a straight face. Yeah, <laughs> eventually there was about five-foot circle around her at a sold-out show, and she just kept moving further and further back towards Whoa. people. Not really being considerate, but otherwise, amazing show. So this is the etiquette edition of Future of what? So if you're in an audience and you have dreadlocks, do not keep moving and shaking your head around so that you might get your dreadlock in somebody's mouth. Well, if you're in the back of the venue, that's okay. Then shake away. Yeah. But, but the if front, there's five feet in front of you, in front of the stage, yeah. move forward. Move forward. <laughs> Good advice. Solid advice. All right. Kate LeBon, Crab Day. I love her. Her album titles are hilarious. Very yeah, interesting. Very, very good. Very interesting. Okay, let's see. So the next song is by a L.A. band called Youth Code. The album is on Deus Records. The song is called Transitions. That's a vocal style that is very dear to your heart. Oh yeah, I yeah I love this band. I'm not exactly sure what EBM is really, but this I've heard this band described as hardcore inspired EBM, and it really harkens back to kind of the late '80s, early '90s, like industrial, but with like 
a hardcore influence. Mm-hmm. The guy who does like the electronics and stuff was a singer of a hardcore band in the early 2000s called Carry On that was actually pretty good. And then the woman who sings, I don't know that she's been in other bands before, but she is ferocious. And she's and they're so good live. I saw them a few months ago and it was one of the best live shows I've seen in a long time. Wow. So this, yeah, this record is a little bit different. It's a little bit more exploratory than I would say their previous stuff, which was kind of a bit more just straightforward industrial. But yeah, I've listened to this record so many times this year. I love it. I want to know what EBM stands for. Electronic. Electronic bowel movement. Yeah, that's what I was Butt metal. (laughs) I honestly, I don't know. I think it's like, yeah, I really don't know. (laughs) But I love this. Band. Well, if anyone knows, they should they should write to us. <laughs> it sounds like time. hardcore to me, mixed with Skinny Puppy, and that's perfect for me. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Electronic body music. Oh, oh, I like that. Then that's cool. okay, cool, cool. Can, you can, can move totally, your body to it. I can live with that. Okay, now we're gonna hear something, Franklin, Tennessee. Sure. Yeah, What's well, that? well, last year, my favorite record was Circuit Day U in Plain Speech. And this is the same person. This is Haley. This year, she put out an album under the name Jackie Lynn, and it's kind of her alter ego. And yeah, this record is brilliant. It's very different than Circuit Day U, and it's fantastic. It's, yeah. like her, it's like her country record. Yeah, it's kind of like a, yeah, exactly. It's like a country record, which, and I am not a fan of country music, but the style on this I really like with like the drum machine and kind of reminds me more of like kind of the one man country music project. Like Johnny Cash. Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dark, mm-hmm. old. Very dark, yeah. yeah. I like it. Ben is just nodding, just for, for those of you who are playing along at home. Yeah. Okay, now we got something else from Benjamin. Which file? Tangiers. Oh, yeah. It's on Blues Control, Tangier from their new mixtape, Old Enough to Know Better. Control band that's been around for a while. Yeah, since I think 2006 or so. And this is their first release in four years. They just made a 
free mixtape that they put online of them playing live at their house. And this is a reworked version of a song from their 2012 album on Siltbury's Local Flavor. But they changed a bunch of the sounds that they're using. And I don't know, I just really love it. I love the band. I've always, I've been obsessed with that song for four years now. So for them to completely rework it was really cool. You're the kind of guy that those people who write to us with apps were like, you can redo your favorite song using stems. <laughs> I know you would actually never do that, but still. Yeah. It's like, I, they have to be targeting somebody. Yeah. Your new versions of things. and Right. Oh, yeah. Totally. But they, I don't think that they use, they mostly use synthesizers, guitar. They use a Walkman for a lot mm -hmm. of the beats. So, I mean, unless they've, changed things since the last time I saw them. I don't think that they're using sequencers. or Right. But that's actually kind of interesting because it's like you would never want to do that, but you like it that the band does it. Yeah, I, li I like hearing different versions of songs as they progress over time. But done by the band. Yeah, done by the band. Not by you. Not by me. <laughs> okay. That's why I like, I like buying multiple Velvet Underground live records and hearing different versions of songs or, you know, like the Bob Dylan bootleg series or... Oh, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, you, yeah, from Slim, <laughs> and from you probably. No, I live. I live with the completest Bob Dylan completist. It's very interesting life. Okay, so let's see. If we're gonna play one more thing, what would you want to hear? Let's listen to the track "Enter Into Them" by Puce Mary. She's Danish, a power electronics project. Super dark. Yeah, I like Love it. Love it. Totally interesting. I like music that sounds like a bad dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that album really kind of goes all over the place. There's only several tracks that have vocals, and that's one of the shorter tracks on the album. Most of them are kind of like more kind of noise narrative type tracks, but I really like both. I just picked the vocal one because it kind of has more impact to play on mm -hmm. the radio. Do you find that that album, like when you're listening to that type of music, do you... Does it make you think of video game soundtracks? No, it makes me more think of like a, like a movie soundtrack mm. or something like that. That's kind of more how I picture it of like this kind of being this like narrative that is not so much like a pop song where it kind of returns to the chorus or whatever. It's more, I think about like, like the soundtrack to like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that where you're kind of like going into different spaces and rooms and there's kind of different sounds that are associated with different areas and whatnot. Well, that's why I was thinking of video games, because we just did the video game episode. Oh, yeah. And we were just talking about how video game music has gotten so much more cinematic. It is like, yeah. This, it's very similar to music composed for movies now because it's like trying to move a narrative along and move things. 
So that's just suddenly what made me think of it. I haven't played video games since <laughs> <laughs> like 1994, so They're I just think really I'm cool on Saturday. Now. What? Except for on Saturday. Oh yeah, yeah. Simpsons arcade game. We played the Simpsons arcade game. <laughs> when I think of video game music, I think of that where you're like in the Mario world, and then right. you get to the boss, and it's slightly different music. You think of the advantage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you're probably right. You're probably yeah. right. It's, it's interesting. It's it's funny. Okay, Ben, we got one more from you. You'll want to fast forward to 2 minutes, 51 seconds. Now you can tell us what it is. Okay, that's CCTV. It's their song, God's Will, and the release is called Seven Inch Piece of Paper and Audio Cassette Tape. <laughs> and yeah, the packaging is a double-sided, silk-screened, 7 by 14 inch folded over piece of paper. And then they took an X-Acto knife and kind of made a cassette sleeve out of part of it. And then there's an insert... So it's a very exciting visual package. And this band has Mark Winter, who is in the Coneheads, who I played last year. But I think I like this band even more. Wow. Where are they from? They're from Hammond, Indiana. And to the best of my knowledge, you can only get their releases by mailing them cash Mm. or at the show. And I went to go see them at this place, Blackwater Bar, in August, and the show sold out. I waited in line for about an hour and a half because they were like, yeah, we're at capacity because of the fire code. But if people leave, you can come in. After about an hour and a half of waiting, I gave up. But the band was nice enough to sell me a cassette from the back of their van. One of the people had the cassette duplicator in their van. They're just making copies to order. One of the people had to go in, get the piece of paper, cut it, fold it, (laughs) and assemble it. And then I got home, and the cassette was blank. But then luckily somebody uploaded the tape to YouTube. So I've (laughs) been listening on YouTube, and I taped the YouTube stream onto the cassette. And I was talking about different versions of songs earlier. A bunch of these songs are on two other cassettes that they released earlier this year of them rehearsing. So it's kind of interesting to hear... The songs evolve in live versions and then hear multi-track, who knows, probably a four-track or eight-track cassette recordings. Cool. That's very cool. I mean, that's a lot of work, but it's very cool. So, all right, we're done here, but last words on 2016? Anybody? Oh, I hope it goes on forever because I got a bad feeling about 2017. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wish I had more optimism. (laughs) Um, I'm sure there'll be some great records to listen to and that'll keep us busy. 
Yeah, my music industry prediction is the end of media mail. Oh, which will jack up impact all of us, right? But except Amazon, right? Except Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll have to get all of our physical stuff from Amazon, or, or hopefully going to a local record store, mm-hmm. supporting the local economy. Yes, that would be good. <laughs> but yeah, I got I got a bad feeling, but I'm wrong a lot, so we'll see. <laughs> Anything else? I mean, I thought 2016 was pretty bad, but I see I see the perspective that 2017 could could actually be worse. Yeah, I don't know. Probably will be, but who knows? I mean, good things could happen too. I mean, life's a struggle, has its ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's it's a good time for music. It's a good time to be having something to say. Yeah, I hope so. I've never had a problem finding music that yeah. I liked, so at least there's that. Yeah, maybe this will be 2017. That's it. Death of, of Ben's ability to find music he likes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, stopping by and doing the best of 2016 with me. Thank you for having us. No problem. If you want to do a worst of 2016, I can come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like... complaints. Yeah, that'd be a lot of hours. <laughs> yeah. All right, bye.
That was Welcome Christmas Time by Red Cabin. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on iTunes. To find out what's coming up next, follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW. You're listening to The Future of What. We're talking to Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop. Charlie, welcome to The Future of What. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> We're excited to have you. Your Switched On Pop is a very cool podcast. Thank you. It's nice to talk to someone else who does a music podcast, but we do completely different things. It's kind of cool. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So this is our best of 2016 episode. So I wanted to get you on since, you know, what you and your your partner, who is a musicologist, Nate Sloan, correct? Yeah, Nate is a musicologist, professional. I, I write songs and have studied music and we get deep and dissect music on our show. Right, which is such a cool thing for a show to do. You know, I feel like that is something that a lot of people want to do, but kind of don't have, you know, the guts to do. Like, I think I would <laughs> I would love to sit around and just discuss, uh, you know, songs with my friends and just break them down and, and really get into it. But I just keep thinking no one would want to hear me like no one would want to hear my opinion about that. Is that is that a strange thing to think? Oh, uh, I totally disagree. It's so much. It's so much fun <laughs> talking about music with friends and getting into the the nuances is is what's so pleasurable about listening. And I, I think our whole project really started because we felt like there was a dearth of criticism that was really diving into how does the compositional structure and and the lyrics work together to create something really truly original and and why does it work? And so often we get sort of criticism about the lives and love affairs of rock stars, but not actually the music itself. And so that's what sort of inspired us. And I, I think it's great for everybody to do. Our whole project is to give this skill away to anybody. Well, I love the episode where you spent two weeks listening to every song on the Billboard Hot 100. And it's just amazing how similar so many of them are. Sure. What do you think? I mean, is that is that just what we would call like trends? Like this is the trend in music right now. And this is that sort of sound that everyone everyone's like, OK, this is the hot sound. So they all make a song that sounds like that. I'd say yes with a caveat. Okay. So yes, in that there are always trends of listening, right? Musical growth happens when people are able to take something which is known and push it into slightly new territory. So we're all sort of slowly moving along into new areas of sound. And it happens collectively because people don't like to hear things which are too foreign. So the progress of, of pop charts, I think, happens a little bit more slowly than other sort of more avant-garde areas of music. But the caveat is that I've been talking to a lot of people in the industry who have suggested that maybe we're hearing more convergence than we have in the past because of the dominance of not just streaming, but the very few curators who are deciding the couple of playlists, which are one of the, the largest indicators of a song's success. And so these curators, there's fewer of them than there are probably FM radio jockeys who might be selecting from a larger selection. And they are often selecting music, which is supposed to be based on a, a certain mood. And some of these playlists are intended to sound more and more alike. And a lot of the hits that are making it to the charts are originally coming from this playlist success. So perhaps this new way of listening is also leading to this chart convergence. I could not agree with you more. I hadn't actually thought about it in those terms, but I really, I think that that's true because we did a little survey last week of all the Spotify playlists and the number with the word chill in the title, <laughs> it's like exponentially larger than any other group. Like the, you know, that's just like whatever and chill, you know, coffee and chill or like right, chiller, right. you know, chilling by the fire or whatever. 
Like those are the playlist names that are out there. And it's like you cannot possibly ignore the implications of that. Totally. Especially if you're someone like me. I started listening to music in the early 80s. And it's like we're coming out of punk. We're coming out of post-punk. Right. And also, you know, the early 80s, I always think I was really lucky because the music that was played on the radio in the early 80s was crazy. It was like Chaka Khan <laughs> followed by the Stray Cats right. followed by Duran Duran. You know, it's yeah. like these wildly different like genres. And I mean, the fact that the, there was a rockabilly band in the top 40 right. is astonishing, right, to think about nowadays. Yeah, Brian Setzer pulled it off once or twice in the 90s, too, but that's about it, right? Right, right. <laughs> and but then he by then he had credibility. I mean, by then yeah. he was like a rock star. I think the radio format wants a little bit more diversity. It's got to appeal to a, a larger audience and you need to be able to turn it on and say, hey, this song is interesting or I'm willing to wait for the next one. But when we can choose how we want to chill, we can make a very precise form of chilling. And probably after chilling, we probably have like pump up and work out playlist and then <laughs> exactly <laughs> maybe like work focus playlist and then chill again yep yep exactly that's pretty much what it was there was like your running playlist and then there was your chilling playlist so today you're gonna you're gonna talk to us about some songs yeah. and i'm not exactly sure why you picked each of these songs so i thought i would just let you tell us the songs I've chosen really come from the place where i've done the deepest listening and where i've been able to spend a lot of time familiarizing myself with the ins and outs of melody, harmony, lyrics, story. And so this is probably not the most scientific list, but in terms of the many listens through the charts throughout the year, which is really where we find our music for Switched on Pop, I found that there was four plus maybe five songs that stood out above all the rest. Okay, so the first one you've got is the Chainsmokers song, Closer. Yes. Lay it on us. The Chainsmokers have really been at the forefront of developing this new song form that we've called the pop drop. And it's this thing which is happening all over the pop charts. It's basically this new part of the song that happens after the chorus. You might want to call it a post-chorus, but what these artists like the Chainsmokers are doing are taking the chorus and making it diminutive. It's not a climax to the song. It's actually another build until there's this sort of big drop that we call the pop drop, which is really an extension of a number of different trends coming from EDM and hip-hop. Closer is probably the best of their songs, but they've written like five other songs that use this exact same method. And we've seen producers mimic this across the charts. We have folks like Maroon 5, Kaiza, Coldplay, Mike Posner. So many people are using this technique. And I think the Chainsmokers, not having originated it, but they've really mastered this method. Wow. Okay. Your next song is Beyonce's Hold Up. Yes. We would be amiss if we did not include something from Lemonade because it really is one of the most astounding albums and, and cultural forms have come out this year. So I love Hold Up because I think it's a great example of this minimalist production trend which is happening where there's just a few elements to a song. There might be a bass line and a drums and a melody and that's it. Or in this case, there's this great string section 
and some very simple rhythm to go along, and then obviously Beyonce's incredible vocals. And despite its simplicity, this song contains multitudes. It's got the personal narrative of Beyonce's relationship. It has the intergenerational trauma of American race relations. It has an incredibly strong feminist message. As a part of the larger album, even questions, what what is an album? Is it a video? When does it come out? How is it released? And, and of course, both Hold Up and other songs here are really transcending genres, right? She's, she's going from hip-hop and R&B to country. And in this case, she's even referencing two other songs. She has a sample from Andy Williams, an old 1950s singer-songwriter, from a song called You Can't Get Used to Losing You, which was, I guess, originally produced by Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend. And then she has this lyric, Hold Up, and I could go on and on and on, but the, the, the best part about this song is that it has this amazing musical restraint combined with composed emotional frustration. And it's this balance of restraint and composition that goes throughout the song. It actually basically never drops. There's never a major climax. Every time Beyonce starts to get into the heat of this relationship and is about to sort of bust out into this climax, she instead says, wait, hold, hold up, hold up and sets it back down. So this restraint and never letting loose is an amazing compositional skill or compositional technique. I I love Hold Up. Do you think, that's interesting to me because, you know, the music of the early 90s could really be characterized as like the soft loud. Right. Right? Like that was was very much a, a thing that happened. Yeah, sort of like Alanis Morissette style. Yeah, and like Nirvana and, you know. Oh, yeah, right, right. Every band that came after that. Even, I mean, you even saw in things like Elastica and, you know, Veruca Salt. I mean, every song had the soft loud. Yes. Mostly soft verse into loud chorus. Right. And there was a lot of emotional sort of release in right. that style of songwriting. But I feel like, you know, like we were talking about with chill. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> chill wave or whatever we want to call this. You know, the trends lately have been this sort of emotional restraint. And I'm really interested in that as like a cultural thing. Like Mm. what is going on in America that our music is so into restraint of emotion, you know? I, I love the sort of interpretive act of what does this mean in culture? I think a lot of these trends really happen, though, just because of aesthetics. It's it's what's popular and it's it's what's been brewing up through probably through hip hop production and which is now probably, I guess, a combination of hip-hop production and EDM production, which is bleeding over into the pop charts. And you see a lot more producers who use the scalpel on their compositions and and, and take out every unnecessary piece until they have just what needs to be there. I, I love this as a songwriter. And, uh, and and it's really it's it's pervasive. So I think I think hold up is just one example of of dozens and dozens of songs which are using this technique. Uh, it's certainly you can hear a lot on Drake's album and on Rihanna's album, the same sort of thing going on. But I, I think it's probably more aesthetic than necessarily some sort of relationship to larger cultural identity. But that's just that's just the way that I, I hear it. So you mentioned Drake, yes. and so you want to talk about one dance. Yes, one dance was one of the most important songs for me this year. I played it over and over and over. It, for me, is a representation of musical globalism. I first heard this song when I was actually on a trip to Kenya, and I was hanging out with one of the top producers in Kenya, this guy named Blinky Bill from Just a Bam. And he sits me down in his studio and says, I gotta play you this thing. And he plays Drake's track, 
one dance, which features this Nigerian guy, Wizkid, who's sort of the biggest producer from Nigeria. And I was astounded. It has these really cool South African style guitars on it. It has a simple but really infectious beat that goes over and over. It didn't sound quite like anything else. So I took some time and I, I actually I dug really deep into the song. We did a whole episode about it in which I go off the deep end in terms of finding musical references that track through the African diaspora through hundreds of years, starting with Drake's influences growing up in Toronto. Toronto is one of the biggest Jamaican diasporas. And so he's drawing from this sort of 80s style dance hall music. But then he has these Nigerian and South African producers on the song, and the rhythms they're using can be traced through Afro-Cuban music from the 30s, 40s, 50s, I guess. But then these rhythms go all the way back into like the, the, the bell patterns that they're using reach all the way back to old West African rhythms that came over with the slave trade. So this, this song encompasses so many multitudes moving all across multiple continents, and I think is hopefully the beginning of a trend of, of more African producers making it into the mainstream. Fascinating. It's so interesting because, you know, it's like there's all this inside baseball knowledge that these <laughs> produce, that these producers have. Right. You know, but I feel like I don't know that how much of that actually translates to listeners. Like, I don't know if listeners know any of that stuff. I don't think they need to. I, I don't think, like, the who's who matters as much as how are the sounds that we are using somehow already placed in the collective consciousness of mainstream listeners. And that doesn't mean that you can only draw from the pop charts. I th this means you can draw from major motion pictures, which will use Hans Zimmer soundtracks, which can be very atonal. So you can draw from all these references that are somehow in mass culture and bring them together into new compositional forms. I think One, one Dance is just one example of this, but I have found that mainstream pop music this year has actually really been pushing other non-mainstream areas, both in terms of production, song composition, and cre creating new song structures like the pop drop. I'm seeing actually, as much as things can sound the same on the charts, there are some exceptions of songs like these that that really stand out and, and demonstrate just amazing compositional aptitude, knowing where listeners' ears are at today and pushing them just one step beyond where people might anticipate. Okay, so your last song you want to talk about is 21 Pilots Stressed Out. Oh, this is the weirdest song. It's so strange. I also got very deep into this song this year. I think originally because I heard it and was like, I don't like that song. And I find that the cue of, mm, I don't like something, is actually a great indicator that I need to listen to something more deeply because it means there's probably something there that I don't understand. And it's a weird sort of emo, hip-hop, indie, reggae, rock song that I guess really stands out because it captures a very potent political moment. You know, this song is basically about economic displacement. It's large, it talks a lot about the inability to pay for college. I, I pulled up a lyric here. It was, uh, the singer says, but it would remind us of when nothing really mattered out of student loans and treehouse homes, we all would take the ladder. And on top of sort of economic displacement and I think speaking to specifically sort of like white suburban rural areas, he also clings to the sort of nostalgia for, for a youthful past and sings that 
says we wish we could turn back time to the good old days when our mama sang us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. And this stressed out feeling is reverberated in chorus of other singers that join in. And it's on top of having this unfortunate connection to the, well, I shouldn't say unfortunate, but the real connection to this unfortunate reality of economic frustration and feeling left out, which we're seeing in the political sphere. It also is just a great composition. It has this lyric in which he expertly twists the music and the lyric and in this interplay that's very similar to sort of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. He says, I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard. I wish I had a better voice that sang some better words. I wish I found some chords in an order that is new. I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang. So the first obvious nice little punch here is, oh, he didn't actually rhyme at the end. Um, But when he's singing about finding better chords that are new, he's actually playing over this chord progression, which I analyzed, and it's actually fairly uncommon. There's a website called Hook Theory where you can look at the most common chord progressions, and very, very few songs have used the structure of the chord progression, which he used in Stressed Out. So amazing composition. It captures this sort of political moment. Stressed Out, I think, will be remembered for its place in 2016. That's interesting that you say that, you know, when when you don't like something, you have to listen to it again. And I think that's a good, I think that's actually good. That's a good indicator because usually it means there's something a little off about it. And, yeah, you know, we're so, humans are so great at assimilating information. We get really good really fast at recognizing patterns. So it's like music that's right. make, you know, music can make us really comfortable Yeah, because when it's very familiar, you know, when it's exactly like you said, the chord progressions are very familiar, you know, the the verse chorus structure is very familiar. You yeah. know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff about it that, that makes our brain feel comfortable. So when something feels weird, you do have to say, hmm, what's going on? I went to this, this show... Flying Lotus played the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, and you know he's he's leading this this label, Brain Feeder, which has a bunch of the musicians who have produced a bunch of Kendrick Lamar's music, and they're they're really sort of leading the way and in, in in blending so many different genres. And, and Flying Lotus is this incredible DJ who is the descendant of the Coltrane's, and the music and and the images that went along with the music at this show felt like a psychedelic super other galactic universe of nonsense that I couldn't even begin to comprehend and it put the whole audience in this trance-like state it was sort of this like spiritual catharsis for all of the insanity of, of the world and I loved it because he was so successful in knowing where people would not be able to hold on to things and go even deeper into that so it almost completely puts you off, but you're entranced in it. Th- hmm. th- that is a magical composition. I was just all about Flying Lotus as well this year, but n- not making it onto the... He's, he's not on the, on the pop charts this year. No, definitely not. Definitely not, yeah. <laughs> Although the album they put out by Kamasi Washington won a bunch of independent music Libby Awards last year. It was amazing. I saw them in their, their home run. I, I think it was like 36 musicians on stage in free improv total free jazz with a with a conductor conducting the entire thing he would like write a chord on a piece of paper throw it up everybody play the chord he'd throw it down do something different such a cool such a cool album and uh and show incredible 
Very cool. I, d- I did have to add potentially one other thing, though. Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't, I don't feel like I know this music as intimately, mostly because it's so new in its style and its approach. But I just have to say that I think that Chance the Rapper's album and the songs that have been charting have really been some of the most innovative, totally original music that I've heard in a long time. And that, that really stood out as, for me, the thing that I've played more than anything else and has, and has really stuck around. His, I, I felt like his interplay of traditional gospel music with modern DJ production techniques and hip-hop techniques made me sit there and question, how in the world did someone ever think of this? This is just absolutely brilliant. So that that really personally stuck out as number one. I think it's just starting to chart, even though the album's fairly old. Well, Charlie Harding from Switched on Pop, thank you so much for joining us today on The Future of What? It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Drink up, baby. Stay up all night. With the things you could do You won't but you might The potential you'll be That you'll never see The promises you'll only make Drink up with me now And forget all about The pressure of days Do what I say And I'll make you okay them away the images stuck in your head people you've been before that you don't want around anymore that push and shove and won't bend to your will I'll keep them still drink up Kiss you again Between the bars Where I'm seeing you there With your hands in the air Waiting to finally be caught Drink up one more time And I'll make you mine Keep you apart Deep in my heart Separate from the rest Between the Bars by Elliot Smith. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Red Cabin, Elliot Smith, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash thefutureofwhat. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rock Stars. See you next week.